on the Marquette University Golden Eagles Sports Network. From Learfield, welcome to Marquette Thursdays, live from Motorsports Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum. Brought to you by Marquette Athletics Champion Partners, Aurora Healthcare, helping you to live fully, Pepsi, and Wintrust, Wisconsin's bank, the official bank of Marquette. Now, here is your host, Jen Lotta. Welcome into another edition of Marquette Thursdays. We are coming to you live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum for Marquette Thursdays. Enjoy great food and drink specials all night long. And make sure to join us on select Thursday nights throughout the season to hear from head coach Shaka Smart and his players. Tonight we've got Al Amadou, and our next show is February 15th, and we'll feature Sean Jones. A very unique week for the Golden Eagles, in season anyway. They last played on Saturday, a win over Georgetown, and will not be back on the court until this Saturday when they host St. John's for National Marquette Day. By the way, there are a number of celebrations planned in communities all over the country for National Marquette Day. You can check out the Marquette website for a list of activities, pre- and post-game gatherings that are happening this weekend. We'll talk about that a little more later in the show. So Marquette, of course, has now won six in a row after that 34-point victory over Georgetown. That is certainly worth a round of applause. That 34-point victory actually tied program best in Big East play. Marquette beat Cincy back in 2009 by that same margin. You remember, of course, they beat Georgetown by 30 when they met the first time this year. And guys, the Washington Post, the Washington Post absolutely eviscerated the Hoyas after that game. They called it a throttling. They said they're not even in the same league as Marquette. And Coach Kasmat said he was proud of the approach that his team took going into that game. Joined now by Shaka Smart. What did you mean by that, that you were proud of the approach? What was the approach? Well, I think when you go into a game where you're playing someone that's, you know, not near the top of the standings, it's really, really easy to take uh, a less than uh, 100% approach uh, from the standpoint of, well, we're better and we're just going to win. It's going to work out for us. But, you know, we always want to play the game to our standard. Uh, we wanted to go into the game with an extreme level of aggressiveness start the game on the defensive end, getting our hand in the basketball on the offensive end, playing really fast. And we got kind of a Christmas present uh, in, in February with Cam Jones, you know, being able to play. Uh, and then that gave us a lift, and I thought our guys had really, really good aggressiveness and connectivity throughout. So many things for us to break down in that game, but let's talk about Cam since you brought him up. He did miss most of the previous two games with the ankle injury. And you had said that in walkthrough, you weren't even sure if he was going to go. How did he end up on the court? Yeah, we didn't have him included in anything that we did in the walkthrough. Uh, because if you remember, Cam's so crazy. Like, he tried to play in that Seton Hall game. What did you call him? Irrational? Irrational, for sure, uh, in, in the best of ways. Um, but he just couldn't move. And then uh, the next game was against Villanova on the road. And uh, I think he kind of knew, you know, it still wasn't time. But he, he hadn't been moving well in practice. But, you know, that walk through the morning of the Georgetown game, he didn't really say much. So we just kept doing what we were doing. Then in the warm-up before the game, the assistants came and got me. And, and they said, uh, you know, we think he could play. Do you want to put him in the starting lineup? And I was like, I'm going to come out and see it for myself because you guys didn't give me a very good heads up in the Seton Hall game. <laughs> and so I came out and I looked at him and I, I thought that he looked like he was moving well. He had good bounce. So we threw him in there and he was terrific. 
seven threes in that game. He looked confident, a career-high 31 points in 21 minutes. What value does having Cam Jones back on the court bring this team? Gravity. You know, he pulls defenders to him uh, more so than anyone else on our team. There's a level of respect that he carries in our conference with the other teams, with opposing coaches. So just him being out there creates more open opportunities for the other four guys. And then he can get going making shots. It's been a while since he shot the ball that well. It's amazing, though, how an injury or an illness can sometimes focus a player on just doing what it takes to be out on the floor and take your mind away from the, the worries and concerns about, you know, I've missed this many or I'm shooting this percentage. And then you can play with the clarity to go attack and shoot the ball well like he did. Like that scene in Top Gun Maverick, don't think, just do. They're able to kind of just do because their uh, mind is in a different space. Very zen. We had talked about, well, what did you say? In the circle. Yeah, yeah. for the sure. Flow. Um, so we had talked about the theme of the Villanova game being relentless. What was the theme of the Georgetown game for your squad? You know what? I don't even know because I'm on to the next one. Uh, I have it in my phone now. I'll pull it up. Uh, you know, when you're a coach, you, you really you try to focus on exactly what you're doing. Uh, let's see. Game themes. Georgetown was called Kill Zone. Uh, and so for us, as, as a lot of our fans know, when we're in Kill Zone, uh, that means we have two stops in a row, and we need one more stop to get the kill. And it's a very, very important point in, in time because if we get to stop, it's three in a row. It's very demoralizing for the other team, and it's huge for ours. If they score, that's two or three points for them, and it kind of stops our momentum. Well, we felt like this Georgetown game was a kill zone game in multiple ways. Number one, it was the fifth game out of five where four of them were on the road. Number two, we had this bye week coming up. And then number three, there had been, you know, we thought too many kill zones of late that we did not capitalize on and the other team scored. So we kind of utilized that as a theme. But as you can tell, uh, as soon as the game got done, I'm moving on to the next one. Yeah, which is a great mentality for you to have. But I want to talk about the deflections from last game because it is uh, another thing that you guys focus on. You guys had 35 points off of turnovers. What is contributing to that success right now? Well, we had 37 deflections in that game. That I do know. Uh, we, we really emphasize trying to be disruptive. Coming into the game, they had a leading scorer in the conference in, in, in Epps, uh, number 10 for Georgetown, and we wanted to do a great job making him inefficient. The game before, Epps had shot the ball 27 times against Providence. And so we knew with his ability to score and shoot, if he got that many shots up, we better be making him miss. And, you know, Stevie set the tone early on. Chase went in the game. Zade went in the game. And as a group, we defended him. And he ended up going two for eight for the game. So that was huge to kind of cut off the head of the snake, as we like to say. Uh, and then the guys did a really good job playing team defense, flying around and rotating. When we did put two on the ball and trap, we fixed it well. And as you mentioned, when we did turn them over, we did an awesome job capitalizing on those turnovers and scoring. We want to talk about the shooting as well. In the last six games, so during this win streak, the Golden Eagles are shooting 54% from the floor overall, better than 40% from long distance, which I know there were some moments during the season where that wasn't all coming together. But both of those marks are well above the team's season-long efforts. But it is a win streak, and there are challenges that come along with that as well. What are the biggest challenges your team faces as you continue to put win after win after win on the board? Yeah, I think desperation, you know, making sure that, that you still have
still have the same degree of desperation, uh, even though you win, you've won your last few uh, as you had. I mean, you know, for instance, we lost two in a row. I mean, there was a major extreme desperation in that home Villanova game on MLK Day on January 15th. And that led to us being so locked in and focused. I believe we only had three or four turnovers in that entire game. And so human nature dictates that, you know, you might not quite have the same level of desperation or urgency, but you just, we can't afford for that right now. We've got St. John's coming in here. We beat them by one point at their place. I'm sure from their standpoint, they're looking at that game and saying um, they felt like they, they should have won or if they'd have made one of their, you know, they had a few shots down the stretch that they'd have made, you know, they easily could have won the game, including one at the buzzer that if it goes in, uh, they win by two. So we've got to try and make sure we put everything we have into being better than we were the first time we played them. And I'm sure they're going about it the exact same way. I can tell your mind right now is singularly focused on that game on Saturday. How much have you talked about that? Because the other unique thing, and we touched on it at the beginning of the show, is this is a mini-buy that you guys are kind of experiencing right now. Instead of playing twice a week, you guys have this week-long break in between the games. So how do you continue to make sure guys are focused? How do you make sure that the complacency doesn't set in during this semi-off week? Well, I work for a coach that once said we're in a daily battle for the hearts and minds of our players. And we've amended that statement. You know, now it's an hourly battle. So we just work at it. You know, we try to spend time around these guys on the court, off the court. You mean from an attention standpoint, like being able to We're in an hourly battle for the hearts and minds of our players, just like, you know, you are with your own kids. You know, when they get to a certain age, you, you know, we are fighting to have mind space you know in their in their minds we're fighting to win over their hearts and there are a variety of factors that push the other direction and so there's no magic formula there's no switch we can flip it's a matter of spending time building connection uh giving them the real evidence as to why they should continue to own our way and then making sure they're helping each other with that you had touched on playing for each other winning and urgency were those some of the messages that you were hammering home this week always i mean it's the way our way number one core value is relationships so if we bring someone into our program and they don't have a willingness to play for the guys around them then that's a problem uh, so we really try to do a great job in the recruiting process making sure that we attract young men and families because the family really really matters that you know value relationships want to play a team game want to contribute to the success uh, and growth of those around them. And if we do that, we feel like we have a really good chance to be successful. Urgency is just another word for desperation. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to have an urgency, whether it's Al Amadou right here, every day putting in deposits. The half an hour, half an hour ago, Al Amadou, Caden Hamilton, David Joplin, and I were working on ball handling. And so it's an urgency to grow and develop and improve, not only for Saturday's game, uh, but also for the long term, particularly for our young players. Very much looking forward to talking to Al as the show goes on. So this week, I know that you guys are focused on St. John's, but you were also on the road. I wouldn't have known that, but I saw some pictures of you on social media, sitting in a gym, talking to some people, watching some players. So how do you navigate that element, that in-season recruiting, continuing to establish relationships with young men who are going to be members of your program in-season? Yeah, it's tough, Jen. I mean, there's some head coaches that don't go out recruiting at all during the season. 
and it's completely understandable, and they certainly have a point uh, with, with the way they go about it because they want to be singularly focused on their current team and on trying to win the next game. Uh, in my case, the way that we go about our recruiting, you know, my relationship with uh, the young men we recruit and also their parents is just incredibly important, and it, it, it does mean, you know, more if, if I go watch them as opposed to an assistant coach. Um, so I went out recruiting on Tuesday. Can't tell you who I went and watched because he hasn't signed yet. I went out, recruited, went out recruiting yesterday. I went to watch Royce Parham and Demarius Owens, two young men that have signed with us. They play at Western Reserve Academy uh, in just north of Akron, Ohio. Uh, so it was great to be back in my wife's hometown for a couple hours. Um, and, you know, I love getting a chance to watch these guys during the season and you know, see what they're doing with their teams and see, you know, how that can translate into what we do. Here's the tricky thing. Just like our games probably bear very little resemblance to the NBA games for the NBA scouts that watch our guys, these high school games bear very little resemblance to a Big East game. Really? Very little. The physicality is like uh, a pillow fight compared to a heavyweight boxing <laughs> okay. match. Um, the level of intensity, no disrespect to, to the high school level, is night and day difference. The way the game is officiated is night and day difference. So you really got to watch and see and try to project um, what these guys can do that will carry over in time. But I'll tell you, the two incoming guys we have, Royce Parham, Demarius Owens, they are very, very offensively gifted. Uh, they're going to be guys, once they get through the incubation period, as I call it, uh, that are very good contributors for us. Honestly, the biggest area where we're going to have to move those guys forward quickly when they get here is defense. Um, because, you know, just watching, it's like if they were in a game to, uh, Saturday, they have to match up with Danis Jenkins, okay, or Chris Ledlam, or Joel Soriano, or whoever else St. John's puts in the game. And, you know, the great thing about a guy like Chase Ross is he can match up with multiple of those guys, Stevie Mitchell. Um, these incoming guys, they've got to learn. i got to figure out who out there I can guard, and uh, that'll be a process, but it'll be fun. I mentioned I wouldn't have known that you were there except there were pictures of you that showed up on social media. So I was curious, what's your relationship with social media? Like, now you know, as head coach of a Division One program, Marquette, you know, top ten team, et cetera, people are going to be interested in your every move. Is that something you have uh, come to grips with? We have a love-hate relationship, social media and I. <laughs> <laughs> um, if I wasn't coaching, I would have nothing to do with social media. I would never look at social media. Um, it just, for me, comparisons are thief joy. Now, my wife, Maya, she can look at social media as just like entertainment. She can go on there and say, oh, this is a funny thing. Or, you know, this is something interesting that someone posted. And she, she has really good self-esteem. So she doesn't get caught up in comparing herself to someone posting that they're on vacation in the Bahamas and we're not. <laughs> um, for me, if I was to go on there every day and get caught up in what everyone's saying about, you know, whether it's, you know, this team in the Midwest or this team down in the Southeast or this team out West. It takes my attention away from what I need to be focused on, which is doing my job for our team and our players. 
And so I don't go on social media. I think social media is a really good tool. I do post on social media. So you might ask, well, how do you do that if you don't go on it? I got a guy that helps me with that. <laughs> um, I like to share with our fans things like who was the domino of the game, who was our deflection champion. Uh, a couple weeks ago, I posted an unbelievable picture of Jarrell, Wes, and Dominique. Maybe the best class ever to come into Marquette at one time. And I simply said relationships, growth, and victory because that picture says a million words about those three core values. So I think it can be powerful to use as a communication tool. But as a player or as a coach, if you get wrapped up in all the good things people are saying about you on social media, then you're going to be bothered by the bad. It doesn't work that you can just look at the good and then ignore the bad. And so that's what I try to get Tyler and Cam and Jop and all those guys to understand because people can be brutal, brutal. I mean, go back and look if it's still on there. I don't know if these things stay on there about what people said about Tyler Kolick after he went 0 for 7 against UCLA a little over two years ago. And he, you know, he internalized that. He's on the bathroom floor crying. Um, mostly because of how he played, but then also it doesn't help that people are, you know, maybe trashing him. So, I, to me, I would rather a player just completely ignore it and stay off of it. But these guys grow up with it. They, they grew up with it. So I don't know if it's completely realistic to just turn your phone off and completely never look at it. Well, and it always reminds me of what Saban always says about the positive feedback. No matter how well you're doing, that he considers rat poison, you know, and that it will kind of take you down with it. Similar to what you're saying. we got to take a break here on Marquette Thursdays with Shaka Smart. Guys, enjoy an artfully stylish experience at St. Kate the Arts Hotel with deluxe accommodations, culinary creativity, on-site art galleries, and nightly live music. You'll enjoy every element of your stay at St. Kate. Learn more at their website, stkatearts.com, stkatearts.com. More with Shaka Smart right after this on Marquette Thursdays live from Motor Barn Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum. Back here on Marquette Thursdays, live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum. Marquette fans, Chick-fil-A wants to help you celebrate National Marquette Day with a free giveaway. Wear your Marquette gear on February 10th at any participating Southeast Wisconsin Chick-fil-A location and receive a free Chick-fil-A sandwich. Promotion valid from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. at participating Chick-fil-A restaurants. That is only on February 10th. Offer not valid at the Fiserv forum location. I got to say that because I'm sure there will be a long line of people wearing Marquette gear at the Marquette game trying to get their free Chick-fil-A sandwich. So we mentioned that Saturday is National Marquette Day. That's an annual celebration that brings Marquette Nation together in pride and spirit to honor the values of the university. In its present form, National Marquette Day has been around since 1992. There are going to be tons of play, uh, people getting together. 50 locations representing multiple states from Alaska to Hawaii, New York, and everywhere in between to cheer on the men's basketball team. We also have events scheduled in Paris and in Puerto Rico. You know what a big deal National Marquette Day is. What messaging do you tell your team about this celebration of you know, the entire fan base coming together? For our team, um, you know, we, we, we want to recognize that, that this is a very important day for Marquette. Um, but, but we also want to make sure that our guys know we're going to focus on what we can control. It's not like we want to win any less if it's not National Marquette Day. 
So we, we have to be careful that we don't, uh, you know, create an avoidance goal um, just because there's things going on from Paris to Puerto Rico. That being said, you know, I think if we bring the edge and the energy and the enthusiasm that we can bring, then it serves as a multiplier, not only for each other, but for all the fans, both in the building and around the world that are celebrating National Marquette Day and that want the Golden Eagles to win. So our focus is on controlling what we can control and making sure we bring energy to each other and also to our fans. Fans pay a lot of attention to the rankings. Of course, people are putting together mock boards for the tournament and things like that, trying to figure out where Marquette could be based on the success they've had and the projected success that they will have. 2-0 last week, you were bound to move up from the number nine spot. Also losses by North Carolina, Houston, Tennessee, Wisconsin lost twice, and Duke. <laughs> a big cheer from the back of the room on that Wisconsin losing twice mention. How much do you guys pay attention to that? You must know that you are a top ten team. And what is your message to the team about the AP rankings coming out every Monday? Nothing. It's, uh, it's, it's strictly, I think, a fan thing. Um, it really doesn't matter what you're ranked on February 8th or February 18th or March 8th even. Um, you know, obviously, if you're ranked in the top 10, that means that you're having a pretty good season, and that means if you keep improving and keep building, you're going to put yourself in position to uh, have a good seed in the NCAA tournament and, you know, knock on wood, be able to go make a run. But... You know, the rankings are going to change around every week. As you mentioned, uh, you know, multiple teams in the top ten this past week lost. Well, that's because you had a bunch of top ten matchups, you know, teams playing each other. Um, you mentioned Wisconsin losing. Well, they lost to Purdue. Yep. You know, so uh, Houston lost to Kansas. So these teams, you kind of get to that time of year where you have some of the best playing some of the best. And there's going to be some losses in there, but... At the same time for us, what we're trying to do is continue to gather very, very powerful experiences in the game and in between the games that can help us move towards being the best us when it matters most. At the same time, we absolutely want to win the game that we're focused on. Uh, but in, in the meantime, the ranking may go up, it may go down, uh, but, but that's very, very distant secondary to us being in the moment to control what we can. So you've already told us your stance on social media. How closely are you following the rest of the sport? Like, do you know on a nightly basis who's playing who or who wins a game? Or You know what I mean? Are you aware of some of those details that are happening outside of the program? Yes, I am. It, it depends on the day. Um, it's interesting. When we lose, I don't follow it at all. <laughs> shut it, shut um, it out? <laughs> because it makes me very upset, like physically ill to watch, all right, if we lost our last game. Um, if not, then I, I like to follow it. You know, I'm a fan of basketball. I have a lot of friends that are coaches. Uh, you can learn a lot from watching these games. Last night when I got back off the road recruiting, uh, Providence and Creighton were playing. And so I got a chance to watch the very end of that game. It went to overtime. And, you know, in this league, there's a ton you can learn from watching the other teams and what happens at the end of games. Plus, you know coming up you're going to play them soon. Um, so I, I do follow that. Um, but 
you know, mostly just try to focus on our team. Let's talk about that St. John's game, which I know you are so focused on. You mentioned how close it was the last time these two teams played at Madison Square Garden. So what are you expecting from them? Uh, they lead the Big East in scoring, offensive rebounds. They're second in defensive rebounds. What are you telling your guys to really pay attention to in this one? Well, there's a long list. I think first and foremost, we have to do a better job of transition defense. Uh, at their place, they scored 22 points uh, in transition, uh, which is way too many. Um, and then from there, they have one of the most dynamic guards in the Big East um, in Jenkins, Danis Jenkins. He's a terrific uh, point guard. He reminds me a lot of a guy that I coached at VCU that went on to play in the NBA, Briante Weber. He just has this electric quickness to him on both ends of the floor. Um, so we've got to do a great job on him as a team, you know, not just the guy that's guarding him. And then, you know, Marquette fans are very familiar with Joel Soriano. Mm -hmm. Leads the league in double-doubles, may lead the nation. I know he did last year. Um, he's just a load around the basket, does a lot of damage down there. Very good offensive rebounder. As a team, they really offensive rebound. So defensively, we got a heck of a challenge on our hands for a variety of reasons. They're shooting a lot of threes of late. So we got to do a great job contesting those shots and then rebounding those shots. Offensively, you know, they do a good job changing up defenses, so we got to make sure that doesn't throw us off balance and we stay aggressive. Shaka Smart hanging out with us here on Marquette Thursdays live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum in downtown Milwaukee. Don't wreck a great time at the game. The Marquette Golden Eagles remind you to drive sober or get pulled over. Visit zeroinwisconsin.gov to learn more. Zero in Wisconsin, together we can save lives. Wisconsin DOT. We'll take a break here on Marquette Thursdays. We'll bring Al Amadou in. Coach Shaka Smart will walk around and hang out with some of the folks here. More from Motor Bar and Restaurant right after this. You know, we have a good edge to us. Like, Coach always talked about it. Like, when we were in practice today in the film room, he said everybody has to have a contagious edge. So we've been locked in, but at the same time, we've been having fun and looking forward to National Marquette Day and just keep getting better after everyone. You are one of these guys who has this incredible <clears throat> stat line. I have it here in front of me. Seven of eight made field goals are dunks. <laughs> what? Are you kidding me? That's yep. incredible. I remember the Northern Illinois one. I remember the Notre Dame one. I remember the one at Georgetown that just happened last week. Describe that feeling to me. You're on the court. You're representing Marquette University. You're trying to get your minutes where you can. And seven of your eight field goals are <laughs> rim-rattling dunks. To be honest, I'm just doing what I do best. Put the ball in the hoop, dunk the ball. Just being athletic, fly around. So I think coaches are going to be really buzzed when I dunk the ball. So I just like doing it, I guess. Yeah. It, it feels really good for sure. Like I just love like getting the guys excited, seeing the bench like go crazy, and then it's just a good feeling after. Just get back on defense though for sure. Or of course gonna be mad. <laughs> so we are talking with Al Amadou here on Marquette Thursdays. Um, one of the great little nuggets from your journey is that you didn't start taking basketball seriously until eighth grade. In fact, is it true that you were cut from the team in seventh grade? Mm -hmm. How did you get to here? Because most people who only start a sport seriously in eighth grade are behind the eight ball. They can't catch up to the point of playing collegiate basketball and, oh, by the way, playing at a Division One program in the Big East. So right. explain to me how you were able to accelerate that process so well. So I, I can summarize that real quick. So basically, I think me not making a seventh grade team kind of gave me motivation because I honestly... Like, I literally started playing basketball, like, in eighth grade. Like, never worked out, nothing. Couldn't dribble, anything. So, I was at the YMCA one day, and I met Coach Jay. Shout out, Coach Jay. 
He's coach Jay, by the way. Sorry, I said that wrong. But he is a, like he was a local coach around here. He had a little own travel team in the Philly area. Yeah, like yeah, kind of in the suburbs because I was living with my mom at the time. But he worked me out like every day, and I just got better. And then I ended up playing with the same organization with Stevie Mitchell. But I was on the I was on the younger team because you know he was a little kind of a couple grades ahead of me. So. I got better from just playing with that team, and I was locked in that it was all about development and just relationships, just like Coach Smart is. So that's what got me here for, because I know they were huge on that. So I just got better every day, worked, worked really hard, and just, yeah. What do you remember about the recruiting process? Do you remember it being surprising, considering where you had come from and what your journey entailed? To be honest, yeah, like my first offer, and it was my sophomore year. It was after I played Jalen Duren in um high school basketball game. And I had a really good game, hit like two threes or something. And I got to stop. And I came in for like five minutes. like so. No dunks though, huh? No dunks. <laughs> <laughs> this, this three. But it, it was just really surprising to me because I didn't think I was really going to take it. I, I didn't think basketball was going to be something I could, like in the future, that I could like, really lock into and like take me somewhere in life. So. Now that I'm here talking to you, like this is all still, it's very new to me, but it's exciting. And, uh, I'm ready to learn about everything. So I think, yeah, the recruitment process was definitely crazy. It was really different for me, but it was fun. You know, soccer made it a lot easier as soon as you split the offer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it took that pressure off. Coach yeah. said that Sean Jones played a role in your basketball journey before Marquette. What was that? When did your two? When did your paths cross? So we didn't literally like see each other, but I was. I used to watch um, these YouTube videos when I was in middle school. So that's what got me wanted to try out the. I wanted to try out and I got cut, but those videos like inspired me to like even pick up a basketball I started I started going to the park every day and I just started I saw Sean just like he was doing all these crazy moves at such a young age like, I was just trying to copy him so it's funny how that came around I'm actually playing with him and uh, this is my guy and uh, I can't wait till he comes back for he's gonna he's gonna come back stronger than ever so I can't wait for that what type of impact is he having on the team right now I know he's been around a little bit he's traveled occasionally and why is it important to have him around because honestly like Sean Seeing him go through his rehab makes me so much more stronger because I know he's going through something so hard. So anything I'm going through, I know, like, it just gives me strength to get by. Like, even if I'm in the training room and I hear him going through his rehab, like, it's hard to, like, just be in here at the same time. So it makes me, definitely gives me a good strength and, like, something to play about, something to play for. And I think the team also thinks that, too. So it's, like, it's a good, it's good having him around, just hearing him be happy still and, like, talk. So it's good. It's a good vibe for sure. Talking to Al Amadou here from Marquette Basketball, what's your relationship like with Oso Iguodaro? That's Big Bro right there. <laughs> Shout out Oso. Um, Oso is somebody I, I, I want to be like, and I want to be better than him for sure, set the bar even higher. But Oso, just, he just helps me out so much with like little details, teaches me everything I need to know about like our position and where to be at. Like, he just... Like, looks out for me very much. So I appreciate it all a lot because he's made my journey here just a lot easier 
than him. Like, it could be way harder, but he's helping me out for sure. Well, and the story is that your journeys are very similar, right? When he came to Marquette, he was kind of a skinny, lanky guy who needed to kind of fill out and continue mm -hmm. to get stronger uh, to be able to compete in the Big East. And people are saying similar things about you. You obviously have the height, but mm -hmm. the goal is to continue getting stronger. And I assume going up against him in practice yeah. is helping you accelerate that process, right? Most definitely, yeah, because I've been I'm going on, you could say I'm going on, I'm on a also plan, if that makes sense. Sure. <laughs> yeah, so like I, I lift every day, gaining weight, so I'm making a lot of progress. And going against also just makes me play a lot more physical. Like this, I think me, my biggest thing is, is like learning how to play tougher and being more physical in the paint and just like having that presence about me, like using my heights and my advantage and my speed. So, yeah, also definitely makes me a lot better, for I'm, sure. I'm told that the biggest goal for you right now, in addition to the ball stuff, is just getting you to eat more food. Yeah. <laughs> what is the meal plan right now? What are we eating? How many calories are we trying to consume in order to keep bulking up? A lot of calories, but <laughs> to explain that, I think Todd, our strength coach, and Kristen, our nutritionist, like we've been trying so many different things. They tried me like sending pictures of everything I ate or just like sending a picture of me after I eat the, sending a picture after I eat the meal, but I think what works for me best right now, and I talked to them recently about it, is just trusting me and allowing me to, like, you know, eat my own food and, like, not having to send a picture because I think it was bothering me. It was, it was very hard because I didn't never, I never ate so much food since I got to Marquette. So. Okay, so that's really interesting. So they're doing, like, an accountability thing where they mm -hmm. want to see, you know, that you are eating and getting the calories that they think you need in order to put the weight on. Yep. And that got under your skin. Was it, like, the micromanaging of it or, like? Yeah, I think it was just, like, the point of the pictures was just, like, kind of bothering me. Like, I was thinking, like, why do I have to send a picture every time I eat? But... This this new thing we're doing now is working a lot better. I'm getting a lot more weight. I'm about 213 right now, so I'm gaining. I got here at 195, so. That's great. Yeah. And we talked to Oso when we had him here. I mean, he even looks like a different guy right now than he did last year when we were hanging out, or even at the end of last season. So mm -hmm. we know that it will work. I know it's tough. You know, you're like, I'm yeah. full. I don't want any more food. Please don't make me eat any more food. For sure, yeah. All right, so speaking of things that you eat, on this uh, sheet here I have of factoids about you, it says that your favorite topping on a pizza is pineapple. And Do you know how polarizing that take is? Do you know <laughs> how people, strongly people feel about pineapple on pizza? I know, but like... I thought the same thing till I tried chicken and pineapple on a pizza, and it was the best thing I ever had. So you can't knock it till you try it. So that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I appreciate that. What's the best advice somebody has given you about not just navigating this journey of college basketball, but thriving in this journey of college basketball? I think is when I went to the Big East uh, freshman conference. Um, I think it was Jeff Green. He was talking about his experience and his what he did his freshman year and what helped him out the most. And he said just having a routine and staying present every day. Like getting a routine in anything you do is just going to make you a stronger person. Like even when you don't want to do it, it's the most important day. So like when he was talking, I think that was probably the best advice I heard. Like it was that's like a little summary of it basically. Just stay present, have a routine, and just stick to it every day. And like, yeah, just stay the course. What are you focusing on right now from a basketball standpoint, you know, to incrementally get better? This would be better than last week, et cetera, et cetera. Definitely my shooting. Um, 
also just meeting in the weight room helps me on the court, like getting stronger. So I've been locked into that every day. Ball handling. Coach says it 15 minutes of ball handling every day. We literally just worked out, actually. That's why I came a little late. Had me doing ball handling drills. But uh, uh, another freshman. And yeah, I say ball handling, shooting, just getting stronger, being more physical in the paint. And this, yeah. One of the best ball handlers I've ever seen is Tyler Kolick. He's obviously one of the undisputed leaders of this team. Mm-hmm. What is he like? You know, we've talked about, you know, the chip on his shoulder and, you know, he wants to be poised but also cocky out there. What is it like playing with somebody like that? Play, playing with Tyler or, like, just him, like, as a person? I'll take both. How about that? Column A and column B. <laughs> so playing with Tyler is, like, it's definitely – it's not new to me because I definitely play with a point guard like that who, like, you know, he'll – He'll, like, say something to you, like, yo, like, he'll yell at you or anything. But, like, it's a, it's not like, I, I don't take it the wrong way. I take it as, like, okay, this is what he needs me to do. And sometimes if, if I'll get something right during practice, sign, he'll also, like, he'll come with a big brother approach, I guess, or a mentor, mentor approach. Like, he'll tell me what I need to do, and, like, he'll simplify it. And he's, he encourages, I think something he's been working on this year and that got a lot better at was his encouragement, CGBs. And he's been doing that a lot and he's been helping the team out. So, that but Tyler as a person he's really cool he's actually super funny if you really get to know him like you, he seems like a cool laid back person but he's actually a really nice cool guy I mess with him a lot and um yeah I see him as a big brother too like just always being out there looking out for me him and all this stuff so they're really cool so yeah I'll say that you guys are in the midst of a bit of an off week right you played on Saturday you play on Saturday usually you have a mid game in there to kind of break up the week what has been the biggest challenge about this week specifically, not having a game, knowing that you still have to stay focused, stay locked in, not get distracted? How has that been uh, to handle? So I think Coach was really talking about us having this week being super important because I think last time we had a week like this, we didn't think we lost to St. Hall away or something like that. So he wants us just to play with an edge, be super locked in. Stay super consistent with everything we're doing and just don't lose our edge over this week. We've been, we've been focusing on that, knowing that we, we're good when we're desperate. So just playing like that during practice, having fun still, but at the same time playing super hard, I think that's been the focus this week. This contagious edge, so I would say that. On this sheet of factoids about you, it says that if you weren't playing basketball, you would be a veterinarian. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> what I is that about? <laughs> I just love animals so much. Yeah? It's, it's a crazy, it's pretty cool, but like I had a cat, had two cats. You're a cat person. Actually, yeah. okay. so I'm sorry about weirds anybody out, but I'm a cat person, yeah. I, honestly, I like dogs, Yeah, Taylor too. Swift is a huge cat person, and she's very, very popular, so I think you're good. Yeah, I'm good. I hope so, but <laughs> I like animals so much, like to the point where I would still do that, like even after basketball, so like I just care about them, and I think they're it's really cool, and like there's a lot to learn about from them, and I've been really interested in it. And then since I was a kid, I used to read books about it. I still do. Just watch shows about it. I'll be on my phone just watching a cute kid video. <laughs> so that happens, yeah. But I love animals. So. Maybe we can get that as a nickname for you. <laughs> Al the Vet Amadou. The Vet? Okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll figure out some I, way of working it into basketball Junior, senior as well. year. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get, get you out there on the court a little bit more. You throw down some big dunks. Yep. Thank you for hanging out with us here on Marquette sure. Thursdays. It has been a pleasure getting to know you.
and watching you dominate on the court when you get out there, pal. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you so much. Marquette fans secure a discount for the remaining home games and seats for next season with a 2024-2025 season ticket deposit. Games like National Marquette Day sold out quickly, and the best way to guarantee a ticket to the best games is with a season ticket plan. Place your deposit today at gomarquette.com backslash tickets or email athletics at marquette.edu for more information. Back with Shaka Smart right after this on Marquette Thursdays live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum. Back here on Marquette Thursday, Marquette fans, Buffalo Wild Wings is the official viewing party location for Marquette Road Games this season. Check out the Golden Eagles watch party schedule at gomarquette.com forward slash BWW. The next watch party is February 13th. That's at the Waukesha Buffalo Wild Wings location. Marquette takes on Butler at 5.30 p.m. Back here with Shaka Smart. And Shaka, I have a couple of notes from the last time they all played St. John's. Marquette went 6 of 20 from three-pointer, went 3 from nine, three of 9 from the free-throw line, and St. John's out-rebounded Marquette 41 to 28. Which of those three things is most important to get the victory this time? I mean, they're all important. If you remember, we were 0 for 11 in the first half. So that means we were 6 for 9 from 3 in the second half. So uh, we'll take more of those <laughs> halves where we go 6 for 9. We shot the ball really, really well in the second half. Uh, you know, only getting to the foul line nine times and then shooting 33% from the line is not a formula for winning, so that needs to be better. Um, I don't know that we necessarily will out-rebound St. John's, but the biggest key is for them to not get too many points off of their rebounds. Um, and then we got to just make sure that we are as disruptive as we can be on our defensive end, because that's when we're at our best when we're playing with great defensive energy. Soriano, obviously a guy who can gather up those rebounds in there. How important is Oso to setting the tone inside in this game? Oso, incredibly important. Ben Gold. Uh, ben had a really good game, I thought, defensively last time we played St. John's. The two of them together are going to be critically important. And then, you know, when, with the way we play, we switch a lot. So sometimes it's going to be our smaller guys down there fighting like crazy for a position against their bigger guys. All right, Chaka, enjoy National Marquette Day this Saturday. Always a pleasure hanging out with you. Thanks for bringing Al as well. What a lovely young man he is. This has been Marquette Thursdays live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum in downtown Milwaukee. Have a great one, everybody. It is incredible to think about the fact that the Big East Tournament is just a month away. Marquette with a heck of a schedule in front of them. Obviously want to keep clicking off those victories. We are live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum. Remember, our next show will be next Thursday, and it will feature Sean Jones. What a treat that will be to have Sean Jones here with us, obviously dealing with the injury, but he has been such a spark and an, a uh, source of energy for this Marquette basketball team. And want to remind you to mark your calendars that the next watch party at Buffalo Wild Wings is February 13th. That will be at the Waukesha Buffalo Wild Wings location. Marquette takes on Butler at 534 that one. It has obviously been a very exciting season so far for the Marquette Golden Eagles and it will culminate thus far with National Marquette Day on Saturday an annual celebration bringing Marquette Nation together in pride and spirit honoring the values of the university. It has been around since 1992 but honestly the celebration of the Spirit Day goes all the way back to the 60s. So I hope everybody has a great National Marquette 
Marquette Day on Saturday. We will certainly be pulling for a Marquette win, and we will be back with you next Thursday here at Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum. has been Marquette Thursdays, live from Motor Bar and Restaurant at the Harley-Davidson Museum on the Marquette University Golden Eagles Sports Network. From Learfield, brought to you by Marquette Athletics Champion Partners, Aurora Healthcare, helping you to live fully, Pepsi, and Win Trust, Wisconsin's Bank, the official bank of Marquette. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation on the Marquette University Golden Eagles Sports Network.